Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Ebola-free sanitary radio broadcast station in Washington, D.C., is Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. Are you safe, Bill? I feel much safer now that Ron Klain is the Ebola czar because he's so qualified. He really has a deep knowledge of public health, uh, of how to coordinate complicated bureaucracies in the medical area, and also, of course, State Department foreign policy type stuff. Um, Not to mention epidemiology, biology, his vast knowledge of cells and viruses. Experience in partisan democratic politics will really serve him serve him well. And I mean, it really is stunning. It's, I don't really know if there was a czar. I don't think a czar was needed. What's needed is sound policies. But um, if you're going to have a czar, the normal thing that an administration does is bring in someone of great distinction, you know, the former dean of Harvard Medical School, the former head of the CDC, whatever, someone who's kind of, you know, no one bipartisan. People will say, say you know, he seems like that's a sensible guy to coordinate the government's efforts in this area. And they bring in, really, I mean, a, a political lawyer, uh, it's kind of stunning, actually. Uh, here's I, mean, I don't mean to admit it. It's a serious matter, obviously, <laughs> Ebola. So I don't mean to, I'm not, you know, I don't, it really is stunning. It's, I mean, I, I really feel like, gee, that's their, under, their understanding. The Obama administration's understanding of what the problem is is that it's a PR problem and a, I guess, political management problem. Look, here's what you're missing. Ron Klain was portrayed in the movie uh, 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 about the 2000 uh, election sure. by Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey plays Frank Underwood, and Frank Underwood kills things. Therefore, Ron Klain will kill Ebola. That was it's that simple. I think I'd feel better if Kevin Spacey were the Ebola. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of making that making that movie, you know, uh, about about infectious diseases. Who I didn't mean, make really... the cut? That's what I want to know. Who else was on the list? I mean, you're down to like Hannibal Lecter at the time you get to Ron Klain. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer for health. It's it, it and, and this is what it raises the question. Uh, I've been uh, talking to a lot of people who tell me the first sentence out of their mouth, Bill, is I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but and then they make the argument that it doesn't get that bad and you don't have the repeated foul ups and you don't have Tom Frieden keeping his job after repeatedly saying things that are demonstrably on their face untrue unless something is up. I, I'm I'm so anti conspiracy theory. I don't even entertain it. But this is a shocking a hard to process uh, a lack of seriousness in the middle of what most Americans view as a potential crisis. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, Obama, President Obama, has a great faith in bureaucracies, a big believer in government, and he presides over these bureaucracies, and he doesn't like to shake them up, uh, except when he puts more political hacks in them. So, I mean, the combination of political correctness and bureaucratic ineptness, I think, is proving toxic. But the president believes in political correctness, and he believes in bureaucratic ineptness, especially if the bureaucrats running the bureaucracy are people he appointed who share his liberal views. So, I mean, it really is stunning. I come a couple of things. The visas being given to people in the three West African countries. What is the rationale for that? I mean, the flight ban is, in a way, I mean, the travel ban is almost putting it too broadly. Why are we giving visas to individuals to come to the U.S. unless they have emergency situations, which obviously could be handled individually, and they could have special testing, etc. I mean, it seems crazy to me. To not, and in fact, the African countries nearby that have actually protected themselves pretty well so far have cut off travel to these countries. Now, you can say cut off non-essential travel, but this fellow came to Dallas, to Houston, who is the source of the infection in the U.S., and let's hope it doesn't spread further, but I fear it will. Um, he came, why exactly, to visit I don't know, a former girlfriend or a girlfriend, I guess, or some whom we hadn't seen in a 
few years, I think. I, I mean, it's just ludicrous that we are putting ourselves at risk, that we've already got two nurses with this disease because some because State Department business as usual was, well, we give tourist visas to people from these countries if they have some plausible reason they want to come visit the U.S. You know, uh, finding out that Ron Klain worked for both Al Gore and Joe Biden has renewed my support for Dr. Tom Frieden, really, at this point. I'm like, let's just stick with what we've got. Also, I mean, it's unbelievable that, that he's, you know, thinks that he's just smug. I mean, watching him yesterday before Congress, he's sort of smug in his ignorance mm-hmm. and in the fact that they've screwed everything up. He's not really apologetic about that. Um, then the military thing, I'm now kind of obsessed about that. We're sending these troops over there. It's unclear what they're really doing. I guess this, I read one article, they're building a 25-bed hospital and some Ebola uh, uh, treatment centers. Well, I don't know why military troops need to do that. I'm not sure that one 25-bed hospital in Liberia or Sierra Leone is going to make, unfortunately, a heck of a lot of difference. I don't, you know, it's, it's a very small percentage of the patients there. Uh, there probably are things that the military maybe could do to help make life easier for civilians who are actually going to be helping treat with this disease, but treat this disease. But the notion that our that the that we need three four thousand military over there with four hours of training in dealing with this, I really am now. I think Congress should come back, or at least the relevant committees should really question the president, people at the Pentagon, on why they're sending these troops over there. God forbid we send anyone to actually kill terrorists who want to kill Americans. But when it comes to this, you know, terrible, it is a terrible disease. I'm happy to help. We should all work on, on stamping it out in West Africa if possible. But the idea that the military has the has the lead on this, I, I really don't, it's, I just don't see the rationale. I mean, you can, buy, you can buy prefabricated hospitals, I should think, in, many, in the U.S. or probably in many places closer to Africa, fly them over, uh, let contra- contractors go in and, and uh, build them, pay them well for, their, for, for, for going, running the risk of whatever medical risk there is. But why the U.S. military? Uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who I spoke to earlier today, uh, mentioned that of the 17 hospitals that the military is supposed to build, that they have built zero so far. Yeah. Uh, that's not good news. And then there's also something, and I think uh, there's a great piece in the current Weekly Standard by Jonathan Last. There's also a podcast with him uh, as well about how little we know about the disease and how much uh, debate there is among the experts on this. And into that climate, Bill, we're going to send not just uh, soldiers, but uh, President Obama's mentioned that he's preparing the possibility of sending National Guardsmen, guys who right now are sitting in an office somewhere, working at a you know auto mechanic shop right now, who are going to get some minimal training and then be sent to an Ebola hotbed where people are starting to acknowledge we really don't understand this disease all that well. And, but we're told by the Pentagon and by the administration, don't worry, they, they won't be, they'll be told not to come into contact with sick patients. Well, what does that mean? I mean, they don't control all the civilians they come into contact with. A lot of these civilians weren't sick patients, though they were sick and getting sick until they became patients a day later, right? And then, unfortunately, a lot of them died a week later. I mean, the idea that they're in some kind of control, that they're in a U.S.-type environment where everyone who begins to run a fever immediately reports, it doesn't even happen here, unfortunately, immediately reports to the hospital, and, of course, so you know who's a patient and who's not a patient. That's not the way it is in these places, unfortunately. So I, I, very, I am alarmed about it, not in the sense that I was, you know, uh, you know, our soldiers take risks all the time, and, and that's part of what they sign up for. And if, if someone showed me that there was a compelling use that was military-specific, that they were particularly well-equipped equi- for, uh, and that they were trained for, and that they really could make a difference, these 4,000, this was a key investment to really help nip this in the bud, I would say, 
fine. The U.S. military you know, does things in addition to actually fighting bad guys. It helps out in our broader efforts to make the world a safer and healthier place. But I, that does not feel, it does not feel this way to me. It feels to me like Obama reached for the one part of government that does work, which is the military, and knew, he knew whatever, you know, they could get the people there if he ordered them to get them there. So he did it. I really would like to see Congress ask, what is the plan? What is the, what is the plan? It's what Scott Gottlieb raised is a good question. There's supposed to be these 17, I think it's Ebola treatment centers. None of them have been built yet. What, why, can't, why does the military have to build them? Is it, is it going to make much of a difference to have these 17 centers if there aren't enough nurses and doctors anyway in these countries? And I mean, are Americans, really- Americans who are already unhappy with how Washington is handling Ebola, Americans who I predict will not be inspired by the choice of Ron Klain as Ebola's are, how are they going to respond when they see, as has already been discussed by the Department of Defense, American soldiers in quarantine not allowed to return to the U.S. because they may have been exposed to an Ebola patient while flights are continuing out of West Africa straight to Atlanta, New York, etc., without any quarantine, just a temperature reading. We're going to see Americans under quarantine and Liberians and Sierra Leoneites not? I don't think that's conceivable, and I think if it gets to that point, there'll be just such a massive rebellion against the president's policies that he'll have to change them, but it could be too late for some of these uh, people. And um, and again, people are just not being, this is what Jonathan Last, really excellent piece in the magazine and now up on the website, it's getting a lot of attention already. What it shows, I mean, is that we don't know as much as we think we know. The chances of exponential growth, even here, are great. We don't know if it's, we hope it's only two nurses, but what if it's four, six, eight? What if they contaminated, unfortunately, one or two other people? Uh, and, and, you know, you do get into this situation, and what if some of these other people showing up directly or indirectly have traveled to West Africa, uh, do have Ebola, have the disease, and have they passed it on? So it's a very serious situation, and I mean, I just think the Ron Klain thing is almost a slap in the face, really, isn't it, to to the American public, you know, it's all these fears are childish. If people don't know anything out there, we're not even going to listen to the Yahoos. But you know, make them happier to have a czar. So we'll just take one of our political buddies and make him quote czar for a little while, to, you know, till everything calms down. I guess that's their attitude. Look, I hope we get lucky, and it turns out that we get very, you know, there aren't many more cases and. And uh, Ron Klain can go home after 90 days and say, you know what, uh, the public health system worked and we got, we got lucky in dealing with this disease. But I'm very fearful that we need more than luck. And I don't think Ron Klain brings, brings us anything more than luck. What we don't need is we don't need to politicize the issue. So, by the way, Bill, how will this affect politics? No, actually, well, there I, is I a serious question. As I say in my editorial in the, in the, up on the website, we should politicize the issue in the good sense of politicization, which is crit- criticize the administration's policies, hold them accountable, propose better policies, uh, such as not giving people visas. Um, I think politically it just increases distrust in the, the, the sense that this administration doesn't know what it's doing, and it makes Democrats are going to have to distance themselves, I suppose, from the Obama administration's handling of this. But again, it's just another part of the government, whether it's the Veterans Administration, the IRS. I mean, there's so many now where this president has been so negligent in insisting on good performance uh, and, and almost seems content with bad performance, especially if it's bad performance that fits in with some liberal prejudices and, and orthodoxies. And so um, I do think it is an indictment of more than Obama. I think it's important that conservatives make this. This indictment of big government uh, bureaucracies that just go into self-defense mode and standard, standard operating procedure mode. It's an indictment of political correctness. Not that diseases don't break out if conservatives are running everything and the conservatives would handle it perfectly, but the particular failures in the handling of this are particular failures of big government and anti-state liberalism. 
uh, to get more Ron Klain-esque with the politics, the pragmatic impact on elections. I have heard some people arguing in the last 24, 48 hours that this is actually not that bad for Democrats because it distracts people away from issues that are directly political, like Obamacare, like the relatively crummy economy, uh, you know, like other candidate supports for Obama. It takes the, it, it focuses people on something that, you know, when you think of government, you don't think disease, uh, you know, connected the same way you think government and government policies like Obamacare. What impact do you think this issue will end up having uh, on the first Tuesday in, the, uh, in November? I think voters are less easily distracted than elites think. They've mostly made up, made up their mind already. They're mostly going to I think, vote for change in Washington, which means the Republican Senate. And I think this just adds to the notion, though, that the Obama administration is not doing a good job at the basic functions of government. So I think it will hurt Democrats. And then the last question is, as you look at the U.S. Senate, first of all, do you still think that the Republicans are going to pick up the Senate? And what is the one race that is going surprisingly well and the one race that's going disappointingly bad? I think Republicans will pick up the Senate with a few seats to spare, perhaps, which isn't to say they couldn't lose one or two seats. I think Georgia has gone, has been surprisingly tough, and that's a, if I can put it this way, a Romney problem. Republicans still underestimate, and David Perdue is a good guy, I think, yep. candidate there. Looks like, uh, I mean, looks like, not literally like Mitt Romney, but his profile is like that of Romney, a wealthy guy who made money uh, partly by allegedly outsourcing and firing people and downsizing and all that sort of stuff. And uh, voters really are wary of that, and Republicans still have not adjusted to the need that to the fact that voters are not entirely on board a pure free market let capitalism rip don't worry about the fact that you know companies employ one-third the number they did in some place uh, compared to 10 years ago uh, republicans still want to believe more than is true that americans are just fine with that now americans can be convinced that that's part of a healthy economy but it's it's a bit of an uphill so the the the, the, the populist grassroots Middle-class, working-class Republican candidates are outperforming the Scott Browns in New Hampshire, the Joni Ernst in Iowa, and the sort of wealthy, self-funding, you know, Romney-esque businessmen are underperforming, like Purdue in Georgia, Uh, I'd say uh, um, McFadden in Minnesota, where there were great hopes at one point. Maybe he still has a chance. Um, So that, for me, is the lesson. The Republicans need a more populist, middle America agenda going forward, but I think they'll do well this November. Uh, and the support, the one race you're going, wow, this is turning out even better than I hoped. I think New Hampshire. I think Scott Brown will win New Hampshire. Wow, that that would be big news. You know, it's funny. I was in a conversation with a, a Purdue supporter who was saying publicly, "I think he should be proud of his outsourcing." I said, "Yeah, that's where the Republicans lose it. It's one thing to say outsourcing is part of a ever reviving economy. You have to tear down here to build over there. It's another thing to say I'm proud." to be outsourcing. That's and it's another thing. I totally agree with that, Michael. And it's another thing also along your lines to say, you guys don't really understand this, but I'm a capitalist. I'm a right. CEO 500 guy. Let me explain this to you. You know, mm-hmm. that people do not want to be condescended nope. to by rich capitalists. I, I agree completely. Well, we've got to let you get back to your bubble so you can be protected from uh, Ebola. Uh, keep the oxygen supply a level there, Bill. You know, you get a little overexcited sometimes. <laughs> I do. We think, I honestly, I am getting overtired <laughs> these days. Is, I hope the country can survive two more years. Bill Crystal, while he lasts here on the Weekly Standard, thank you for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.